We thank you, Lord God, that you are in control of all things, that you are the Lord God and your kingdom comes, your will be done on earth, in and through all of us as it's being done and declared in heaven. I pray that you give us today ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive and a heart to repent, a heart to be turned back to the things of God if it need be and if it is already there that you'd intensify our love and passion and our confidence in you, Lord God. I thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross for us. You sealed the deal. You paid the death penalty for us. You took it all the way to the grave. You took it all the way to hell to get back the keys. Lord, you are in control. I thank you, Lord God, that there are no uh, weapons that the enemy has in his arsenal that will prevail against your church. Lord, you have uh, given us power over all the power of the enemy. You said you shall tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Lord God, the only thing that we ask for is wisdom and discernment that we will not buy or bite into or believe the lies, Father God, that even though they look easy, they look uh, there's a false comfort to them, that we will walk with discernment and discretion, Lord God, and wisdom. I thank you for that wisdom. I thank you that you have given us wisdom. You said, if any man lacks it, let him ask of God. We also thank you to remind you today again, O God, Almighty God, of your promises, of your ever-present help, of your promises that all things work together for good. So, Lord, guide us today as we look into your word, and may the people's hearts be encouraged. In Jesus' name, may we speak as the oracles of God. Amen. Well, Amen. we're looking at parables today. Yes. Um, from uh, Matthew 21 and into Matthew 22, there's the parable of the two sons, there's the parable of the wicked vine dressers, Mm-hmm. And then there's the parable of the wedding feast. We'll see how far we get today. Now, one of the things I got to say quickly before we start about parables is Jesus was always being attacked. He was being harassed. He was being, he's, they were trying to trap him in his words and things. And so a lot of times he couldn't speak. He sometimes spoke directly to them and called them a brood of vipers and of their father, the devil. And, and we appreciate that that frankness of his. But, That's quite direct, yes. Yeah, but mm-hmm. But most of the time he is talking in a, uh, sort of in a parable form, a story form, and, and a parable is a is a is a spiritual has spiritual meanings, hidden meanings, and it it both give is given to enlighten people and to um, cause them not to see. So some of the people who could not see weren't going to get it anyway, but the ones who heard were going to be comforted. So the first parable. Yeah, we used to tell children uh, in Sunday school and so forth that a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Right. So we're we're starting today in Matthew chapter 21, verse 28. But what do you think? A man had two sons, and he came to the first one and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterwards he regretted it and went. And when he came to the second, he said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I go, but he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said to him, the first. Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that the tax collectors and harlots enter the kingdom of God before you. So for, for John came to you in the way of righteousness, but you did not believe him. 
But tax collectors and harlots believed him, and when you saw it, you did not afterward relent and believe him. So he's talking to a mixed multitude here, and he's talking about people who are willing and people who say they're willing. I think that the uh, first one, um, they, they, the first one said, "Go," and he he didn't want to. He was reluctant. He, but as he realized that you know, it was a better idea to go and work. He he chose to go. I think this is how a lot of people are. They don't want to get involved. They don't want to uh, become part of the, the solution. They just want to veg out. And he's going to talk more about that in the next couple of parables as well. But I really want to say one thing here. You know, we do a lot of work with um, the Bible, the verses, the parables, the, the teachings of Jesus, the Old Testament, all these kinds of things. In this radio show, we're not here to avoid real issues. We are actually addressing real issues in a more powerful way than just talking about who said what and who did what today. Because the thing is, we've got to go back to the foundation. We've got to go back to the uh, the creator of the universe, the God of all creation, to get our hope. And the only way you're going to find hope and, and peace these days is walking in the Spirit and listening to the Word of God. And so we have to realize, who, which group am I in? Am I the, the kid who said, yeah, I'm going to go, and he never showed up? Or the kid who said, nah, I don't want it, and he did show up? So which kid, which group? There's going to be only two groups. You can't, um, you know, make this go any differently. And so, the, and he said, and ultimately he said, the parable is those who are tax collectors, harlots, the lost, the confused, the weak, the the cast off, are going to enter into heaven before you elite, before you guys who have you know the silver spoon in your mouth, before you who have all kinds of advantages. Yeah, it you know there's a repentance here. It says afterward in verse twenty nine, he regretted it and went. So you you think of Israel that had all the privileges. They had the law. They had the prophets. They had. Um, <laughs> All the all these ceremonies that spoke of Jesus Christ's coming, mm-hmm. and yet they they turned away again and again and again. They said, "Yeah, oh, we're gonna we're gonna do all this. We're gonna follow you." Blah 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 blah. And time and time and time again, you read it in the Old Testament. They they made this big profession of yes, we'll follow you, and they didn't do it. They turned away, went after the idols, and yes, so yeah. here here's what he's seeing. And this is the, we can talk about, you know, the Jews versus the Gentiles and so forth. The, you know, those, even today, those who sometimes say, you know, oh, we're following yeah. the Lord. Yeah. They have the form of godliness. They do not, they deny the power, power of the rebel. We're going to do it. Yeah, we're going to do it. And then we, as we'll see in other parables, as you mentioned, that we look at today, mm-hmm. they just... They made a big profession of what they were going to do, and they never did it. Well, the thing is, too, you know, a lot of people promise you something, and we've seen a lot of that betrayal. Uh, I think one of the most painful things that Jesus suffered and that we suffer, even in our political situations, are people who promise to help. They promise to do something, and they absolutely they, they don't. They betray for whatever reason, whether it's blackmail or, or bribery or, or fear or whatever it is. So we see that there's a sorting. A sorting is happening here. And ultimately, that sorting is going to cut down to the very place that you live. You are going to be on one side or the other. You're going to be on the good side or the rotten side. And I was thinking this morning, the the, the interesting uh, parable that the Lord showed me, a little picture of an analogy of a rotten or half-rotten apple. And I've dealt with a lot of half-rotten apples in our orchards. We get a lot of rotten apples. But anyway, um, what do you do with a half-rotten apple? Well, you you, you can't, it, it doesn't work to let the rotten part 
um, isn't going to be isn't going to be changed by the good part. The good part is mm-hmm. not going to have the influence mm-hmm. to change the rotten part. Um, and and I think I've been approaching this thing kind of in a backwards way, thinking that somehow the good people could enforce or or, or, or revitalize or bring the rotten people or the rotten attitudes or the the dark kingdom of darkness. Let's put it that way. That we can somehow influence people to turn to the light. And I think that's part of what salvation is. That's part of what harvest mm-hmm. is. That's part, mm-hmm. of, part of what preaching the gospel and evangelism is about, about. But again, um, the, the process is ultimately the rotten and the, and the good must be separated. And yet when you yes. do that, then you lose the apple. And the only thing left really ultimately is the seed. The only thing that you can salvage out of a half-rotten apple is the seed. And I believe that is the remnant, and that is the people that the Lord is going to save to restart you know, the orchard, if you will. And so I believe that these next couple of parables will kind of show that as well. But that was the parable he gave me this morning, and so you ponder on it and think of it as you will. But I believe the remnant is the seed. I believe the good is the good. God is going to separate. He says either make the tree evil or make the tree good. And I believe right now we're in that sorting process. It's not. Uh, it's a very painful process. It's a very uh, hold on to your, you know, buckle your seatbelt kind of thing. But God is still in control. So what's the next parable? Well, about? just just to mention thing without getting political. And sometimes here's the issue: we're accused of oh, you can't get political. Well, the prophets of old got political. It, it's not a matter of politics. It's a matter of truth and what's yeah, going on. What, God what wants, are yeah. the issues mm-hmm. of the day? And someone and said, "And the real issues are spiritual." Yeah, they are. And someone said, "Well, in the United States right now, there's two groups of people that are forming. There's the patriots and there's the traitors." And so, mm-hmm. and there's a separation coming. You see it. Well, here, can you, you I say see something it about in, the in the Church of Jesus Christ? Yeah. The true ones are coming out. The the ones that have been are compromised are the going, remnant, are going the bride down. of Christ. And you know the thing is that's interesting, but it's a kind of a it's a very powerful, but it's it's a very shallow kind of sorting, because it's not about patriots and traitors. It is about the kingdom of God and those who love God and are going to do His will, and those who are turning away and say, Yeah, yeah, we did Your will, Lord, Lord, have we not done many mighty things in Your name? And they actually did nothing in His name, and they were completely deceived the whole time because they were doing it in their own strength and their own religious pursuits or whatever you want to call it. So we're going to a deeper level, a higher level. Uh, get, you have to go back to the Lord. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then I will hear from heaven and, re- and restore their land. We have to go to a higher uh, authority. Higher and deeper level. Authority, the kingdom of God, the, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of the earth. And I believe that if this next parable about the vineyard is really telling. Um, do you want to read it? Yeah, Jesus said and. Matthew twenty one thirty three. Here another parable. There was a certain landowner who planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a tower. And he leased it to vine dressers and went to a far country. Now, when the vintage time drew near, this is the time when the grapes are ready. He sent his servants to the vine dressers that they might receive its fruit. And the vine dressers took his servants, beat one killed one, and stoned another. Again he sent other servants, more than the first, and they did likewise to them. And last of all he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the vine dressers saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. So they took him and cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. 
Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those vine dressers? They said to him, He will destroy those wicked men miserably and lease his vineyard to other vine dressers who will render to him the fruits in his season. Interesting. In their seasons. So interesting here we have this, the parable of the vine dresser. Okay, the landowner. Now we just, it starts out there was a certain landowner who planted the vineyard. Now, so he owns the land. He planted the plants. He did. He created. He uh, established. He created it. He established it. And yes. he set a hedge. So he owns the hedge. He dug the wine press. He owns the wine press. He built the tower. He invested. He put all of this in to his vineyard himself. He invested everything. He did it all. Then he leased it out to vine dressers and went to a far country. So he, he allowed the, whole, the earth to be leased out to us. He gave us authority to uh, keep you know, keep the, keep the vineyard. And what has happened is betrayal, betrayal, betrayal. Even in God's own, you know, Jesus Christ was betrayed. We all know that. But um, we has, have been part of this process, the landowners, uh, the landowners looking for a harvest. So it says verse 20, 34. Now, when the, vi- the vineyard uh, vintage time came, drew near, he sent his servants to what? Collect the harvest, collect the fruit. So God is looking for a harvest. That is what this is all about. You set up that whole process, the vineyard, the plants, the hedge, the, the, the wine press, all for one thing. All and for the, the harvest. All for the fruit, for the fruit of the harvest. Mm-hmm. But what is happening? Um, the, the vine, the, the, those that has been leased to are using that harvest for their own benefit. They're, you know, they're going to sell it themselves. They're going to live off of it. They're going to not give it to, they're not going to give it to who it's owed. And owned by, yeah. yeah. And, and we have to remember too that there's, he's primarily speaking here to the nation of Israel. Uh, Israel was right. a vine, mm-hmm. considered a vine, well, his vineyard. And, and so he established them. You know, he he committed all the the truths to him, the law, the the prophets, the right. hope of the promise of Jesus coming. Mm-hmm. It was all committed to them. So they were the ones he had least this original plan to to bring forth Jesus Christ through the nation of Israel. And he was just telling them. Jesus was saying, "This is what you did. This is what you did with what I gave you. Um, you squandered it." And then here he's. This is actually a prophetic parable because as he's talking about this, he says. And the vine dressers took his servants, beat one, killed another, and stoned another. He's talking about the prophets that he sent to remind them, to warn them, to um, that, you know, that you're com- in you're in God's vineyard, right? He commissioned you're, you're Jeremiah. You're part of a vineyard, you know. You, you have a yeah a promise. There's a, there's a contract, right. a covenant here, a covenant mm-hmm. actually. Mm-hmm. And you're not. And so he sent Jeremiah. He sent Isaiah. He sent all the minor prophets. He sent Daniel. He sent all these guys to keep them on track. Because and and yet they killed them, they beat them, they stoned them, they hated them, they didn't listen to them, they didn't want to hear it. And we have the same same parable, parallel of a parable, going on today when we have those who are really sent by God. And what happens to the two uh, uh, representatives, the ones who come from heaven to speak to us? They're scoffed at, they're be, they're betrayed, they're uh, belittled, they're cast off, they're disregarded, they're hunted, they're c- killed um, because because the the world. The elite of the world, the ones who've taken over the vineyard, don't want to hear it. Yeah, they're saying we want it. 
We it's want ours. it for ourselves. It's ours. We want to do it ourselves. We have it's a right really to it. It's really ours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And these prophets that came, it's interesting. If you read in Second Chronicles chapter 36, it, it, it summarizes. And you, you see this this same thought, this same expression. This pattern? Through, through, yeah. It, you see this expression in this pattern all through the uh, Old Testament when Israel had turned away. All God through the sent story the, of man. God sent the prophets. Mm-hmm. And here's what it says in Second Chronicles uh, 36, uh, 15 and 16. And the Lord God of their fathers sent warnings to them by his messengers, rising up early mm-hmm. and sending them. In other words, in a sense, day after day. All the time, yeah. Regularly, because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked the messengers yeah. of God, wow. despised his words, and scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people till there was no remedy. Right, no remedy. There was, It got to the place where it was, like you said, about the rotten apple. Mm-hmm. When, when the, that rotten part, has or to be the, thrown away. the entire, you, you, there's not, there's nothing you can do about you, it. You just have to get yeah, rid of it. You can't redeem it in any mm-hmm, way. Mm-hmm. Um, and believe you me, I try to figure out ways to redeem things. But anyway, um, so then uh, that he was, they were killing these prophets, sending him away, disregarding them, stoning them, and then he says again, he sent other servants more than the first, and they did likewise, and. Then, last of all, he sent his son to them, saying, they will respect my son. Well, you would think so. You would think that they would have had respect. And Jesus is actually talking here about himself coming to receive the harvest. Um, But what happened? They said among themselves, they saw the son, they said among themselves, this is the heir, come let us kill him and seize his inheritance. Do you really think that after you kill the son of God, kill the heir, of all things, that God is going to give you that inheritance. That is about as foolish as most people. Uh, that's that's absolutely how we see the devil reasoning in people's minds. That somehow you're going to get a, you know, an advantage here. You're going to you're going to get the preeminent place, your position. You're never going to die. You're going to do what you want. God's never you're never going to have to answer to God. This is like where He's got people's heads. And I tell you what, only God can bring them out of that dark hole. Yeah, it takes it takes a revelation for sure. A and they took him, they cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. Mm-hmm. They rejected him. He was, we'll read about the rejection of Jesus a little bit later in one of the other parables. But so basically the point is. He like, was prophesying what, his he death. Gonna, yeah. And Actually, what, wasn't he going to, he was going to the cross within days of this parable, I believe. Right, and, right, exactly, exactly. So. He's saying that, you know, I'm going to destroy those wicked men and miserably uh, and lease the vineyard to other vine dressers right. who will render him the fruits of their season. In other words, he's given the nation of Israel chance after chance right. after mm-hmm. chance after chance after chance. And he's saying, okay, you don't want it. You're here. You've rejected me. I'm rejecting you, and I'm going I'm going elsewhere. I'm going to get people who will bring forth the fruit of of the vineyard that I have. The I, harvest, I, I, the he's, harvest, he's the harvest. Looking for, mm-hmm. He's looking for fruit. He's looking for the harvest. He's looking for he's souls. He's looking for the, the the fruit of the Spirit. He's looking for us to be... Uh, Part of his family. He's actually looking for his family. For a family. And he wants us to be fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So verse 40, going back a little bit, therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, therefore, 
the owner is coming back. The owner of the vineyard, the owner of this earth, the God and creator of all things, he is going to come back. And it doesn't matter how elite, how elaborate, how deep and, and, and disgusting are the narratives and the plots and the things that have been used to snare the people of God. It doesn't matter. It's going to be nothing in the day of God. The Lord gave me another picture parable this morning and as I was seeking, or was it last night? I don't remember. The overwhelming um, odds that that were against, that are against us. Here's, I felt like we're like a little blade of grass blowing in the meadow wind as the torrential, the horrendous, horrific forest fire is is barreling down upon us. What's a blade of grass to a forest fire? The only hope we have is that the rain will come before the forest fire gets to the grass and put out the fire. And that's God. God is the one who takes us through the Red Sea. God is the one who changes uh, kingdoms and situations and hearts. And, and God is the only one whose interventions make a difference between life and death. And I believe here he's saying the owner is coming. And what will he do? What will you do when the owner of the vineyard comes back? What will we do? Where will we be? We will be somewhere. That owner is coming back. You will be on the right side or the wrong side. And once he gets back, there's no changing sides. And I, and I believe if you are, God wants to make the godly more godly. The ungodly are going to get more rotten. We need to be more prevail, speak up, declare, stand, take a stand. Having done all, stand, it says in Ephesians chapter 6. I heard a man of God speaking uh, a few days ago. He said, with all that's going on in our world right now, you know, you're going to be, you're going to be changed. Transformed. This, this is, mm-hmm. this is a, a changing situation. You, you're going to be either better or worse. Mm-hmm. It, it, it. There's no. You're going to be either more no passionate, halfway, more passionate for the Lord, more devoted to the Lord, or you're going to just fall away and and and, and be wither, wither be away, kind of dead meat. But anyway, so he said here, um, have you not? Verse forty-two of Matthew twenty-one, Jesus said to them, "Have you never read in the Scripture, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes." I remember um, we, uh, our, one of our sons-in-law built a great, big, beautiful uh, stone fireplace. And they selected all the stones, field stones, selected them, laid them out on the ground before they you know, put them together, selected them, and according to color and shape and size and everything like that. But there were some stones that were rejected. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not going to use those. And so basically um, well, the, the attitude in a lot of places towards Jesus right now yeah. is irrelevant. W- irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Oh, we don't want him. We don't want to include him yes. in our, our worldview. Satan is doing everything he can right now to erase the, the revelation of Jesus Christ, morality, goodness, justice, uh, and, and cram down our throats uh, the, 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 the cultures, the, the, the narratives of his undoing of the human race. Through every possible means. Exactly. In schools, textbooks, children, he's trying to, you know, the brainwashing has moved out of the television set now and into the schools and classrooms, which I think it's been well, there a long into time. The, in, into, but, the, but into the medication. It is all for the point of this. It's all to reject 
Jesus Christ, not prepare this kingdom and fortify it in such a way that they'll never receive back the son. They'll never receive back the owner, that this vineyard will never be worth anything anymore. It's ours. It's mine. And and if if we can't have it, we're going to burn it down and destroy it. So God, you can't not have it back. That's the spirit of the world. This is the the spirit of Antichrist. That's the spirit of Satan. Well, Satan wants to burn down the kingdom of God because he hates the kingdom of God. He, He hates us because we represent and made in the image of God represent the only precious thing to God in this world really are we, his family, and Satan. He will he will stop at nothing to kill, destroy God because Satan knows his end is already determined. And so, but your end is still in your hands, so to speak. The stone with the, which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Everybody who hates Jesus, everybody who hates righteousness, truth, justice, mercy, everybody who hates anybody who loves those things, those people are trying to reject what will come to be the chief cornerstone, and that is Jesus Christ, and we will see him return. Nobody's going to, you know, you can't get out of this. You can't commit suicide. You can't, you know, you know, apathy your way out and, and, and escape. You will be present at the return of Jesus Christ, and you will be somewhere when this is all said and done, and we need to know this. And be, be serious and sober about the fact that we are in such an awesome position right now. This is the birthing process. This is bringing forth the true bride of Jesus Christ. So this was marvelous in our doing, in our eyes, he said. Um, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruit of it. And then he goes on to say, as he did earlier, um, the chief priests, of course, and the Pharisees, they were offended beyond words. Um, he was. He, they perceived he was speaking about them. Uh, and they sought to lay hands on he him, but was, they couldn't right course. then because they realized that you know, he, he, his time had not yet come. So then Jesus spoke another parable to them again, right back to back, actually. The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son. Again, we're talking about the son, the son returning, the son's having a marriage. He's getting married. The son is getting married here. And he sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. Again, he sent out other servants saying, tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner and my oxen and fatted cattle are killed and all things are ready. Um, Come to the wedding. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his own farm, another to his business. And the rest seized his servants again and treated them spitefully and killed them. Um, Let's just stop right there. We've got a lot to think about right there. So we see here, I, I see anyway, Two responses. We have the king. He's preparing a marriage supper. His son is, it's a wedding feast. It's not just a little, you know, weekend dinner. It's, this it's is a the, wedding. This, this is, is it. the king and his son. Yes, and that would be Jesus Christ. We're talking about the wedding marriage supper of the Lamb, the bride of Christ. This is it, people. This is the big deal. This is the thing you want to be part of. Anyway, so he invited, and those who were, of course, we have the three who are too busy. We have the one. He's telling him, everything's ready. Everything's ready. It's it's you know it's getting cold. Come on in, but they made light light of it. So back dismissed here, it, the, passed it off. Right. The context here is there's an invitation that was sent out far and wide, mm-hmm. you know, well in advance, so people would have time to right. prepare. It wasn't like a last minute invitation. Like, hey, oh wait a minute. Okay, they had time to think That's about right. it. They had time to prepare, and Lots then. Of time. And then the servants went out and said, okay, it's ready. Now it's time to come. And they used to do that in the ways they did their marriages too. They, wouldn't, they would 
get betrothed and then they'd wait a year or so and get the house built and then they'd come at the middle of the night and it's ready, ready, ready. And everybody was, those who were ready went out and the virgins that weren't ready and ran out of oil got left behind. So he's, but here we have the, the, we have the disinterested, the passively disinterested, they're disinterested in the wedding, the, the, the the marriage supper. Uh, They are into their own thing. They've got their little farm. They get, they're trying to make their own little big deal. They're working on their retirement. Um, They've got to do another business plan. They they're scheduled to, you know, do a conference, whatever they got going on. Um, Another to his business. And then we have the one who married the wife. Um, Let's see, where is he? The, um, he, he's there's a parable uh, parallel passage where he talks about mm-hmm. there was an invitation to a, a great supper. So mm-hmm. there's a parable of the wedding feast. Uh-huh. I think the the one the parable of the great supper is 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 different. Yeah, a little because he got the wife in that because one. Because you said, well, I got a wife. Yeah, and I and I, it's I, I, the did, same I, thing. I just bought some land and I got to go see it. So right. he bought the land without seeing it. Right? right, that makes a lot of sense. Well, he's using kind of the same ideas Excuse, here. And Excuses, and he said, yeah. And the other one, the other parable, he said, well, my I wife bought, won't let me come. <laughs> yeah, and I I've got to take care of my wife, and then well, mm-hmm. you she could come too, you know. Yeah. And then there's of course the. Um, he said, I bought, you know, uh, five yokes of oxen right. and I've got to prove them. Well, you should test them out before you buy them and stuff like that. So it's just excuses. And so what and it's, happens? It's the busyness of life. But then we see in verse 6, um, the rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully and killed them. So we're going back kind of to the parable of the, vi- the vineyard. It's, and we see there an aggressive hostility. So there's two hostility, responses. Hostility, a real hostility. There's two toward, responses to toward the, the to king, the, to the invitation. toward the king's son, toward the wedding. I mean, hostile. I mean, okay. So it's really, it's really criminal, isn't it? To, I mean, it's something really to get mad about that you've been invited to, to a, the, wedding. a wedding. That you get so mad. And that you're so mad. I mean, it's a privileged event. You, you don't have it, to it, come. It's a wonderful I mean, time for you. You've been invited. It's it's an honorable thing. And then when it's time to go, you kill the people to tell you. This that doesn't even make sense, does it's it? It's just nuts. You know, right? we, it doesn't make sense. But so we do see the two different. He's, I think he's highlighting here the two different responses to the invitation. Well, there's very there's there's great in our world right now. There's great hostility. Mm-hmm. That's towards rising, the invitation. Yeah, towards the invitation. Towards God and toward the true people of God. Well, it's it's. It, but one of the things, in a way, I'm going to just say, in a way, you can't really blame the people uh, for not knowing, because for the most part, Satan has also hijacked the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he's made it all about works and all about futility and things that people get upset with, and they can never seem to be perfect enough to get to heaven. And God seems to always be mad at them because because we have this concept of God. May I just put a segue in here that we we don't put the devil really. In the equation, these people were being motivated, provoked, uh, directed by Satan. But when we don't put the devil in the equation, then we have a real problem because then when things go wrong and things are bad and things don't work out and people die and and all these bad things are happening, we have to look at either God or ourselves. And so if we determine that... um, God, you know, we we see him as sometimes good, sometimes bad. Sometimes we can trust him, sometimes not. He sometimes works. He's he's very undependable in their minds because they don't realize the real story of the spiritual war that goes on behind the scenes. And so if my God is sometimes good and sometimes bad, then how can I trust him? How can I know that he's really for me? How do I really know that I can believe his word? Because if he gets mad, he's going to throw me off the, off the bus. I don't... Oh, so 
but we have a, a kind of a moral uh, sense that God can't be bad or sometimes bad. And so we opt for the second option, which is I must be bad. And so therefore, I'm taking on all kinds of guilt and self-hatred, self-condemnation, sickness, disease. And so that does not work either. We see we can't seem to get the victory through any of those kinds of ways until we put the devil in the equation and realize that Satan is the one who is judging us, condemning us, putting his demonic judgments against uh, upon us when we believe his lies. Because the rule in the kingdom between God and Satan in the war is whose report are you going to believe? So if you're believing the lie and you believe, well, I'm bad, I'm stupid, it's my fault, I've got to try harder, then it all becomes, uh, you know, uh, the lie. And this is what happened in the church. And this is why the church doesn't have the passion she does, because she's not sure who, if God is good. You've got to know two things, that God is good and that God does not lie. And if God doesn't lie and God is good, then we know that the word of God is true. And if you can wrap yourselves in the, in those pages of the word of God, I mean, if you're getting discouraged, if you're getting defeated, if you're listening to too much news, you're seeking for some solution here or there, wrap yourselves up in the word of God and read it and cry out to God because he does hear the cries of his people. He it, it doesn't take, you know, half the congregation. It doesn't take half the nation. It would be nice. But he hears the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman. One is good. So, again, we, we apologize to these people who are confused because they have not heard the true gospel of Jesus Christ has been counterfeited. It's been uh, watered down. It's been used for, you know, the, the personal gain of many of those who, you know, say they're shepherds. But yeah, Jesus Christ and his church have been grossly misrepresented, misrepresented to Absolutely. the world. But, you know, those that rejected the message, you know, these were the priests and the Pharisees, they wanted to kill Jesus. So, you see, religion freaks you out. It gives, it gets you angry. It gets you self-righteous. And sad. It gets you confused. absolutely confused yeah. and tolerant. But he said when you, the king, yeah. verse 7, heard about how about heard about it? That is the rejection of his servants that were um, um, inviting these people to the wedding. He sent out his armies and destroyed those murders and burned up their city. Well, that happened in 70 A.D. when the city of Jerusalem was yeah. was destroyed. Mm-hmm. But then he said, verse eight. Uh, then he said to his servants, "The wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy." Right. Well, well, in a well, sense, they were not willing. They didn't. They, they, whoever they were, will can call upon yeah, the name of the Lord be like, saved, but you know, they weren't I willing. I don't. I don't want to come. Right. So they were. If their worthiness was dependent upon their willingness, and they weren't willing because they were persuaded that their little world and their little pursuits was way more important than the kingdom of God. And that's what made them unworthy. In a sense, they were so. So then, the priorities so screwed up. So therefore, what Jesus said, therefore go to the highways and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. So in other words, these fancy friends of the king, his associates, (laughs) said, no, we're not coming. The ones you would have thought. The ones you would have thought that would be most willing to come. And the most appropriate. most appropriate. But he said, okay, you don't want to come. I'm going to have a dinner here. I'm going to open this up. I'm going to have a wedding feast. I'm going to open this up to whosoever Uh, And so he opens it up. And that's what God has done. He said, so those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, 
both bad and good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. So the the, the father of the king said, I am going to have this wedding. And, 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 and fill I'm my banquet hall, yes. And I don't care. I mean, anybody that wants to come can come. And that's, like you mentioned, Margie, whosoever will mm-hmm. may come to the Lord and to the So king, this is kind of the, the story to the Gentiles. He says, okay, Jews... Israel, I've given this to you exclusive opportunities You've had chance here. chance after chance uh, after You've chance rejected, and, and you are about to kill me. He didn't say that, but he, he, that's what he alluded well, to. Well, yes. What he but was, but yeah, he says, so I am opening this up. And then he says in verse 11, something kind of weird, but it's, it's, it's not weird. Verse 11, but when the king came to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. So he said to him, friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? Uh, and he was speechless. Um, so what happens when they go to these weddings is now remember he's he's pulling in the the street people the highways and hedges type the homeless he's pulling in all of these that people would walk past and and never want to even you know mm-hmm. stop and notice but he's got why because they're precious to him because they have souls they also have a right to be in his kingdom just because they have really tough situations because they didn't have any money because they had bad luck whatever beaten down into the ground doesn't mean they don't have a right to be invited so all of the Israel's rejection of him turned out to be good for us because it opened, opened the, the door, door to the Gentiles. Yeah. But see, now, when you go to a wedding like that in those days, what I understand is they would provide you with, with a, a garment. Of, and, and think about it. If these dirty, homeless you know, people, they didn't have time to take a bath. They were just pulled out of the street, so to speak. So he's going to cover them with a robe of linen or righteousness or to make them suitable or acceptable or prepared to enjoy the feast to become into that place of great blessing and, um, uh, I don't know, prospering and it was, goodness. Yeah, the wedding garment was provided by the mm-hmm. king. And part of it, in, in from what I understand of it, it was not something so... You, you had to be... Usually when people go to a wedding, they want to dress a certain way, right? Sure, dress up. So this was this was protocol for the wedding. Right, in so other they words, pro- it was provided for them. It was provided, and it wasn't some big fancy garment it was just basically more it was just neat and clean and nondescript uh-huh. in other words it kind of did Part away of the celebration. it did away with the classes if you had yeah. if you had wealthy people you had middle class people you had poor people so coming they were all the everybody same was, as the was, same. was was dressed the same right. and traded the same but this guy refused apparently it, so. he refused it he had the opportunity the idea is that he just no nope, there wasn't one provided for him it's not that it was he yeah. refused to put it on, he he was rebellious. He says, "I'm not going to wear it." So even even there, we see the you know some that are called. This special invitation is given. Uh, they still don't see themselves as worthy enough to put it on. Maybe that was what he thought. I don't deserve to put it on, or maybe he thought I don't need it on, or I can do it myself. I don't know what he thought. Well, but, that, yeah, this is it. We sometimes we want to do things our own way. Uh, there's that old song, "I did it my way." And that's that does so not we, work. That's that's the. So we have to submit to the provision of Jesus Christ, which I believe is the blood, the blood of the Lamb of God makes us righteous, makes us holy, and uh, that's what allows all of us to be seen as a worthy to get in God's sight. So the right, the fine linen we read about in Revelation mm-hmm. is the righteousness of the saints, and it's not. Our righteousness, it's what's been provided for us. These people didn't, mm-hmm. didn't bring their own wedding garment. Right. It was provided for them. And so, through, and it covered them completely, it, no matter it, what their station right. or, or dysfunction. It, was, it totally made them accepted in that 
in, in, in that in, setting. In that situation. Yeah. And that's what, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, it's his righteousness that covers us and, and in a sense, makes it worthy and enables us to enjoy what the king, our Lord God, has provided for us. Then the king said to the servant, bind him hand and foot, take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. Now, this is an interesting selection process. It's not that God is picking who he wants. Um, He can't choose us if we refuse his invitation. You can't go to a wedding if you refuse the invitation. Uh, Refuse it. I mean, some people just forget to turn it in and then they show up anyway. But you cannot go to a wedding if you refuse to go to the wedding. And so so God isn't the one selecting here. He says, many are called and few are chosen. And we see again how he's opening this up to the tax collectors, the harlots, the the poor, the the cast off. You may know people like that. They may be so broken in this world. They may be so... Uh, no assets, no opportunities, just, and their life is just tough. Every way you look at it, it's broken. But they they still have an opportunity to get into the wedding feast and be, you know, the last shall be first, you know that verse. Uh, and some of those will be at the, at the front of the line because God doesn't see things the way we see them. And so don't despise those people or the day of small beginnings or don't despise yourself. Just just say, Lord, I'm coming to the wedding feast. I accept your invitation. I I will show me Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. What you want will, me to do with my life. Right. I will receive what you have provided for me. That's right. And I'll be thankful. I'll be grateful. So, so in these days when we need a lot of encouragement and we need a lot of God helping us, we know that the creator is still in control. We know that he's still preparing his wedding feast. We know that all things are just on schedule with the way they're supposed to be. And all of this little uh, drum, drama and demonic distractions that we look at in our polis- politics and in our world, know this, that our nation is precious to the Lord. He loves America. He is not willing that any should perish. He does not want to cast us off, but he must cut off the rotten spots. And he must do that to save the good spots and to save the good parts. And if that doesn't work, then he's still going to go. He, then he still has the seed. And so we trust you, Lord. We give this situation to you, even today, as we're looking at these horrific and horrendous situations going on in supposedly our capital. Lord God, we just ask for mercy. We ask for the people to be strong that need to be strong that stand in the righteousness of Christ Jesus to be strong, to, to not be bent or bowed or bribed or bullied. Father God, we ask that you would cause these people who also have an eternal soul to do that which is right in your sight as you've put them in positions to do your will. And we also pray for everyone else who's not there today, who's standing in their place, that you cause each one of us, Lord God, to, re- to praise you, to worship you, to pray, to make intercession to heaven, to stand in having done all to stand, to be to rejoice in you, Lord God, and we do give you praise that these things, as you peril, as you gave us in the parables, are truly coming to pass. Lord, help us to go forward as your servants to bring out the invitation. Some will refuse, some will receive, and so, Lord God, that we will go as you lead us. You're not willing whether that it, yes. Whether it's to the highways and hedges, mm-hmm. the streets and lanes of the city, the people that are, are are outcasts that we would go, those outcasts, Lord, as as you reach them, they're mm-hmm. being included 
in your kingdom. They're being included in your great wedding feast. And we thank you, Father, for that opportunity. Help us to be faithful to give that invitation to everyone we can while we can. In Jesus' name. Amen. And I also want to give you an invitation real quickly to join us at liferecovery.com. You'll find lots of support materials, um, uh, under teachings, uh, encouragements, audios, videos, books, etc., etc. We need to know uh, these are training materials. So we encourage you to go there. Check us out at liferecovery.com. God bless you and have a great day. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.